There's a belief that fitness and comedy are at odds with each other. We've seen many comedians get jacked, and then they don't appear to be as funny. Carrot Top famously said he stopped bodybuilding because it didn't fit his style. Dave Chappelle put on muscle and then started trolling trans people. And who can forget those awful Bud Light TV ads from the 80s where Joe Piscopo dressed up in drag and flexed his bulging biceps. But even for all those comedic tragedies, Instagram is packed with muscle men who get the laughs and the lifts. Let's grow big together. I mean, welcome to Feast of Fun, the podcast that always makes you soar in all the right places. Today, comedian and obstacle course athlete Joel Bryant joins us to chat about racing, lifting, and comedy. When he's not acting as a comedy host or doing stand-up, Joel is dodging giant foam blocks in an American Ninja-style race or crawling through the mud in a tough mutter. Listen as we pit Joel Bryant against the AI robot to see who is funnier, muscle man or machine. Plus, the feds issue new guidelines discouraging comedy from highway safety billboards and signs. The Smithsonian Institution releases over 4.5 million historic images into the public domain. And rest in pudding, Ron DeSantis' political career. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast, I mean, Let's Grow Big Together, mashed up with Feast of Fun, because two flavors are better than one. Let's Grow Big Together. And all the fabulous podcasts made by Feast of Fun are made possible because of legendary listeners just like you. For an ad-free experience, access our full catalog of over 3,000 shows on our website, feastoffun.com slash plus. Or follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feastoffun. Need help with your bodybuilding? Hire me to consult with you to get to the next level. Message me, Fausto Fernos, directly on Instagram. And for 99 bucks, I'll talk to you one-on-one on the phone and answer every question. Every single question your heart desires. Hello. Hello. Hi, is this obstacle course racer and comedian Joel Bryant? <laughs> it certainly is. Wow, that's, that's how everybody always says it when I say hello. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it, this is kind of a little bit a hybrid. Let's grow big together, our bodybuilding podcast and Feast of Fun, because you as a guest sort of uh, are very much married into both the field of athleticism and physique and also comedy. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, as well, I mean... Uh, I, I like the let's grow together, by the way, because I, I, I haven't talked to you guys forever. And you were just 110 pounds last time I really talked to you. Oh, go on. <laughs> you were just a, a wisp of a human. <laughs> you know, I, I got a, a silver, you know, everyone's like, shut up about your silver medal. But I did get a silver medal first time in uh, a, my first bodybuilding competition. And the, yeah. the term is a real long thing. So it's the NPC Mid-American Winter Classic second place silver medal in classic physique. Master's division. Wow. 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 Is there an abbreviation for that? Like- <laughs> <laughs> the silver for silvers. Silver for silver daddy. Silver for silver daddies. That's kind of sexy, actually. Well done. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> you know, when we first met you, we were uh, taken back about your physique, and it was at a podcast conference. New media. New media, they were calling oh, it. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Yeah. A long time ago, probably almost 19 or 20 years ago. We've known no, you. I think it was probably about seven, 17 years. 17 years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still significant, yeah. yeah. No, I was always, yeah, I was always a kind of a bit of a gym rat. That's kind of always been my thing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, now, and now as we get older, you just try to maintain it and pretend that you're still, you know, in your mid-20s. <laughs> <laughs> it's working so far. It's working it so far. <laughs> Between that and moisturizing, it seems to, I'm holding off father time pretty well. Well, uh, <laughs> I just don't tell my body that I'm aging, and so my body is really good at not listening. Yeah, you know what? I you know what's funny? I I feel it more a little bit now. You know what I mean? Like, you know how way way back in the day you used to be able to to drink all night to like seven a.m. then go to work and be fine, and now it's like <laughs> when you drink, it's like four days later. You're like, oh my gosh, I still feel it. I feel that way with the gym a lot now because I still yeah. work out like I used to, but then. I just like immediately, like 30 minutes later, I'm like, I need a nap. This is ridiculous. That's where you get those gains. You take that nap after your sleep, after your workout. And I know, but I used to, 
I used to not be able to get be, be, get so tired from it. You know what I mean? Or I feel like a little achy and a little painy here and there. And I just, you know, I could either nurse it or I could choose to ignore it. And usually I ignore it and it just gets worse. I remember how, when I was 18 years old and I, I've been going to the gym since I was in eighth grade and mm-hmm. I got drunk for the first time in college, of course. Right. And the next day I woke up just fine. I said, I don't know what people have an issue with drinking. I don't have a hangover at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, the, the, I know. Right. And you'd like, I used to like wait tables. And we'd like party all night until like right about 30 minutes before our shift. And we just go wait tables for like nine hours straight. It was like no big deal. Oh um, and now I think metabolism slow down and everything else. Uh, but the, 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 the weightlifting journey still continues. I think that, you know, I don't, I don't want to not be fit, you know? But like even listening to your voice, Joel, you sound like a guy who lifts weights. <laughs> he sounds Perfect. muscular. Yeah, it sounds. Your voice sounds muscular. I, I like that. I have a voice modulator on. I'm very high pitched. You're like, uh, hi everybody, it's Joel Bryant. Like, hey. Hello everyone. Uh, I I don't know. It's just like a. I mean, that's just years of you know. That's just growing into it. And years of talking on a microphone and drinking too much coffee and too much whiskey and being a smoker back in the day. I think that's all kind of, it's not, it's, I, don't, I don't think my voice sounds healthy when I realize why it sounds this way. Well, that's kind of like Mark's voice too. You know, what have, about, you yeah. have a, well, it's got whiskey voices, mm, cigarettes, years and years of cigarette smoking. Yeah. 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 But I think it's like, you know, after a lifetime of going at the gym, it's like your voice <laughs> starts doing that too. Just grunting years and years of grunting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's probably a better way to look at it. That's a well, healthy way to look at it. And the steroids will lower your voice too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you eject, eject, eject right into your uvula. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's called testosterone replacement therapy in quotations. Yes. <laughs> yeah, is that, is that the one the new thing it's called? Hey, if your doctor prescribed it, it's legit, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, a quote-unquote doctor. <laughs> I mean, backstage of that bodybuilding contest, somebody had the audacity to be like, are you guys all natty? And everybody... T- I'm <laughs> like, what? Everybody was like, started laughing, like the end of a Scooby Doo episode. Really? Was was? It I was. Mean, uh, oh. It was somebody who was who was just kind of visiting the area and stuff, and and oh, all the gotcha. all the in terms of the bodybuilding competition. I don't know if this is for you when doing like tough mutters or ops ninja, you know, warrior courses and stuff right. like that. It's it's that like for us, it was very much we were more of a team, even though we were competing for you know first second and third place there was more of like we were a team together I don't camaraderie know, a camaraderie yeah. camaraderie yeah and whereas backstage you're stuck there you're wearing a bikini you're naked you know why not open up yeah <laughs> spread those legs <laughs> was, that, was that was that your was that your move on everybody hey guys why not open up come on uh, <laughs> come on fellas no anybody I, i'm not gonna lie there were some well, they very didn't, they beautiful didn't men too much yeah. though because it fucks up the tan yeah, so everybody's like doing fist bumps, mm-hmm. you know? Right, right. Yeah, so if you look at really closely all the, on the pictures, all the knuckles are kind of white and everything else is dark. <laughs> just you know what? I think that just as you get older as well, right? Like yeah. I imagine if you were on your weightlift journey in your early 20s, you know, and I think that there, there's just kind of a little bit more of a, probably more of an ego, more of a competitive thing, right? I mean, it's still competitive as you, as you get older, but I think you realize the stakes are kind of lower because it's not your career it's more of uh, a passion absolutely Does that makes sense yeah you know like when i go like do an obstacle course race when i go there i'm like look i'm not gonna beat this 24 year old in this race right and so it's more of i do it for the passion of doing it it's, it's more of an individual it's more of an individual uh accomplishment it's an individual race for sure but i'm not you know, you don't, you're not side-eyeing everybody or mad-dogging everybody and thinking about who you're going to be, you know what I mean? Unless there's someone who's really out of shape and you're like, I should be this person. But uh, <laughs> but you're not, you know, you don't, you're not sabotaging them or whacking their knee behind a, a, a tree stump, you know? Um, <laughs> but do you, like, go meet everybody? Do you, like, shake people's hands and say, hey, good luck with of. the race? And Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely come across the same people over and over again. There used to be a group I used to see almost every race in Southern California. And yeah, we would all be at the starting line together and just kind of like chatting, like, Hey, yeah, cool. You know, and just good to see you again and that sort of thing. And then we do the race and we try to beat each other, but we're not, you know, trying to sabotage each other. And then when it's done, we, you know, like you said, you, you fist bump, you're like, good job, good job. And then you, you go have a beer together, you know? So it's, I think all of us are very realistic in knowing that we're not going to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you know, so I think the stakes are lower. It's more of your individual, you know, you're just trying to get your, your, your PR, you know, your, your, your own personal, it's like your own personal glory, I think. And, and you do, uh, uh, different kinds of obstacle courses. There's one called the tough mutter. Yeah, there's tough mutter. I don't what, do that, what is that one. As... Exactly. I, I know you've done one cause I've seen a, a photograph of you covered head to toe in mud. That was <laughs> in mud. That's most thing. of the, <laughs> that's most of the races. Tough mutter is, uh, I don't do that one as much because that's more, they want you to, uh, they don't time you. Like it's not a really competitive as the, as competitive race. It's more like a recreational thing. So you're there with like all sorts of levels of performers. They don't time you or anything. And they, there's a, there's a few obstacles where they just, they just say, Hey, can you make it through this? Uh, we're going to try to hurt you. Like there's, there's one obstacle where there's, they're hanging wires down that have shocks in them. Yeah. And you don't know which one's doing, which ones don't. And it really is just like a shock. Like you almost go numb from the shock. And to me, that's not an obstacle. That's more of a, a, a torture device. Uh, you know what I mean? It's not like I don't, yeah. you can't train for that. You can't work better to get over that. You just have to run through it. And I don't get know, Joel. And I have some techniques that could probably help you with, with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, those, those should, those should not be an obstacle course. Those should be in dungeons in Berlin. They shouldn't be in. <laughs> well, how do you train to get electrocuted with exercise? Do you like? Well, you get tied up in a basement, like he said. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, but the problem is, then you get, you know, you get an erection as soon as it hits you, and then it throws off your whole <laughs> timing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For, to to be clear, though, uh, when there are athletic events, because the people were asking me that, that question too. It's like, were you getting turned on? I'd be so afraid to have a boner underneath that skimpy posing trunks. And I'm like, no one's getting a boner. You know, we're so no. stressed out and exhausted and dehydrated. dehydrated. Yeah, it's like, it's not happening. It's yeah, it's honestly the last thing you think about. Like, yeah, I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I, I can't say as I've ever been turned on while I've been in the middle of a race <laughs> before. Uh, no, it's true. I, I you don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's your, your mind is so many different other places and that's kind of the beauty and Zen of it, you know? So like, and, and also with a, with a, a tough motor race, you don't have to do the obstacles. Like you can approach it and you're like, this looks hard. And then you just like walk around and keep going. Oh, oh really? hundred percent. It's like a stroll in the park. It per, it, it's completely recreational, which is fine. It's a nice entry level. It's like, and you come across like groups of people like bachelorette parties, like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. And you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, you don't get, you know, you don't hear, have eye of the tiger playing through your head. You're just like, Oh, this is. <laughs> well, cause it does was... remind me of like, you know, a military training video where you're like, you know, you're going to disappoint your father. If you don't climb up this wall, I can do it. I'm going to make it to the oh, end. Their marketing's great for sure. Yeah, their marketing is fantastic because, and you know, and, and you do kind of test yourself, and it's good for people who are just like, this is going to be a crazy weekend. Uh, but I remember I was running one one, and I kind of had my own timer going, and there was this group of the six people in front of me on this path, kind of walking shoulder to shoulder, just like chit chatting the day away. And I was like, oh, excuse me, and I ran around them. And as I'm running away, one guy goes, "You don't have to run, buddy." Uh, like, I'm trying to do well. This is <laughs> like, a race. You know. This is like a marathon, and half the people are like drinking cocktails in it. 100%. Yeah. So it's it, like I said, it's, it's fun. It's recreational. I've done it like twice. It's, and there's one moment where like you have to carry somebody, but if you're racing by yourself, you yeah. know, you, you, so it's built for like groups of people to come and do it and like, you know, cooperation, all this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And I remember I came to that part and there was like this, I came the, I remember the one I did, I ran to that moment and the guy's like, all right, you have to carry somebody 90 feet or whatever it was. And there was no one there except like, and then finally this like little Asian kid came along. I was like, can I carry you? And then he looked at me. He's like, I can't carry you. And I said, I'll carry you the whole 90. Let's just get through it. He goes, okay. So I just threw <laughs> oh, my that's, shoulders. That's sweet. He just ran. <laughs> it was very sweet. What's like the hardest obstacle you have to go through on these kinds of things? Uh, besides the electricity, of course. Uh, I mean, Spartans are always pretty brutal. Spartan races are pretty tough. Uh, they really kind of test you. Is it the climbing? Is it the falling or going through mud? Yeah, climbing a, climbing a rope is always tough. And it also depends on the weather of the day. Like, I did a Spartan race when it was raining outside. So it was probably like 34 degrees outside. And uh, there's a lot of swimming and it was through the woods. And there came a point where I just froze up and I just literally could not jump over this wall for like 20 minutes. Like, my legs weren't working and I couldn't just get over this wall that I could usually do. So a lot of it's the elements, right? Um, mm. And climbing rope and stuff, there's always techniques. You teach yourself these techniques. 
but uh i would say one of the tough ones i do is called a, a terrain race and they start you off in an ice cold pool so that's the starting line like Eesh. the corral so you have to get in this pool up to your kind of up to your neck up to your chest and so they don't start until everybody gets in the pool so it's like 40 of you in this ice cold pool and that's the starting crowd and they go on your market set go and then everybody just jumps out of the pool and then, what are you yeah, wearing? You usually just like racing shorts and and shoes. That's it. Do you have shoes in the pool? Yeah. Well, they're like yeah, the so swimming you, shoes, you know. Yeah. Well, no, just, just the shoes you're using for the race. The terrain, yeah. the terrain race shoes. So you're running in these wet shoes. Yeah, Ooh, that would and like annoy this, the fuck out of me. And you're just like completely. <laughs> oh, it's it's awful, and you're completely iced up, and you have to run like a mile to the first obstacle, and the, so the first mile is just you trying to thaw out while you're trying to run. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. And then they start throwing like marshmallows and pudding and oil slicks and I wish. <laughs> feathers on you. <laughs> I wish. That'd be amazing. Uh, no, they don't do any of that good stuff. You just get covered in mud, which I always, it's like mud and it, you end up being just muddy and bloody at the end of it. And I, that's what I kind of like about it. I mean, it would be interesting if you had an actual <laughs> obstacle course that's like, you know, here's sewing and then <laughs> filing like taxes, then, you know, <laughs> like balance, healing the broken balance relationship the with yourself. <laughs> you know, right. like, like, Big chalkboard with math on it. Yeah. <laughs> do you go home? They do. You know, some of the longer Spartan races, they actually do make you do, you have to run by something, memorize a set of numbers and letters and then probably an hour into the course later on you have to tell them what numbers and letters are associated with your name to move on like so there is like a it's a weird mental test mm. yeah. do you go home dirty or do they give you like showers they shower you sometimes they pull out and this is i don't get paid for this but they pull out a uh, dr bronner's have you ever heard of this yeah, yeah. uh body wash they they, yeah. they have this like the uh peppermint soap yes Ooh, yeah they that bring... really stings the butthole doesn't it uh, it depends on it depends on if you direct it directly apply it. <laughs> no, do, if you ever go to like Whole Foods and pick up one of those Dr. Bronner bottles, it's the, the, whack. It's like it, it's full of Bible verses and like cleanliness is next to godliness and all that stuff. And that Castile soap is like really bad for your skin, in my opinion. You know, it's like is it? Yeah, are they, it's really are they super harsh. religious? Yes, is read it? the bottle. They, read it's on the label. I never read labels on anything. I don't. I don't see labels. <laughs> that peppermint <laughs> stuff, though, which is like, ooh, when you get it down there, you're like, mm, that's. But it cleans you out. They have them at the end of races. Sometimes you jump in this big glass booth with everybody, and they spray you down, and it's kind of feels nice. I mean, it's just post race, but they do a whole. They have a whole camp at Burning Man, a Dr. Broner's like foam camp. Oh yeah, I mean it's popular with hippies. They love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm surprised it's home kind of... and, not, and not be there. Yeah, I, like fairy gatherings we've been to. It's full of. It's sponsored by Dr. You know, Bronner's. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm surprised it kind of got, got a yeah. religious kind. If you meet of somebody that it. doesn't use deodorant or uses natural deodorant, they probably have that in their bathroom too. Oh, you could smell it from a mile away. You could tell. Yeah, you could. You could. It's 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 like the modern day patchouli. So let me just read to the audience what it says here. When we teach the morals ABC, all mankind is united, brave, strong, just free. For the future will be better when we are better. Times change when we change. Conditions will improve when we improve. And if you and I, corporate by full truth, accomplish them, say we all sisters and brothers. Is that from the Bible? <laughs> well, then later on, it's like Matthew 24-7 says blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's just a... Of diarrhea, a word salad on the side makes Trump. Yeah, it's a little, it's yeah. a little, it's a little movementy. It's a little bit, yeah, it's a little, it's a little woo, I guess. Yes, but it clean. Cleanliness but it is next to godliness, says Doctor Bronner. <laughs> yeah, so when you get clean, you feel like a god. <laughs> yes, and, and so uh, in terms of like you know comedy, then you know here, yeah. you are, and this is something like when you know throughout my life of like I've really been into bodybuilding, and people say to me, it's like. Don't get too many muscles. You'll stop being funny. And I said, don't worry. I was never funny. <laughs> and everybody agrees. <laughs> and they go, and they go oh, my so God. Ripped. You're so funny. But, it, but when you think about, like, Joe Piscopo, like, most famously, like, he was, he and Eddie Murphy were, like, single-handedly carrying Saturday Night Live. And all of a sudden, and I sent you this photo of Joe Piscopo with Betty right. and oh, Joe Weirder. Yeah. <laughs> He was like in bodybuilding <laughs> magazines. Oh, he got shredded. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, he did. I mean, a few comedians kind of go that route, like, you know, like Carrot Top. And mm -hmm. uh, I think even, you know, Joe Rogan was on that kind of path for a little bit. Um, 
I think it's like anything else. If you make that your personality, then then it overshadows what you're trying to do. You know what I mean? Like like Joe Piscopo was an impressionist. He was a fantastic impressionist. Yeah, doing but Frank get, Sinatra, yeah. Yeah, but if you get all shredded and you get, you know, 36-inch biceps, you can't really go out there and be like, here's my Sinatra. People are like, you don't look like him at all. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I think I that, think that would be even funnier, don't you think? <laughs> she's like a big Like a jacked-up Sinatra. Sinatra. I'd be like, hey, who loves you, baby? <laughs> but, you know? but I think that becomes kind of like your whole – it overshadows whatever comedy he was doing. Do you know what I mean? Almost uh, Carrot Top to a degree, too. Like, people just talk more about his muscles than his actual comedy. Yeah, he, you said, know? It, he said people found it super distracting. And he can- yeah. And and there could be like, I think you have to acknowledge it. Right. And I think, I think comedians like Carrot Top are don't, they don't incorporate it into their act. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a, if a comedian goes out on stage and they're, uh, let's just say ridiculously obese and we've, we've seen a lot of them make it, you know, they do it. They do, you know, one or two fat jokes at the start just to acknowledge, like, look, I know what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. let's get that out of the way. And then let me tell you about some other things. They don't make it their whole personality. Well, like Chris Farley know? was famous for sort of being, you know, this, he, he was, I guess he was a former football player and he, you know, was a big guy and, and ultimately yeah. d- died, you know, from heart problems, but it's like, but he, he acknowledged yeah. it, you know, he leaned into yeah. it versus, yeah. versus like ignoring, you know, he wasn't out there trying to do a Frank Sinatra impression. Cause he's like, I don't look like Frank Sinatra. I'm just like a kind of a big fatty, fat, sweaty, guy you know and he kind of leaned into it and i think that's kind of the difference is if you make this mm-hmm. you know because visually you're judged first right before you even open your mouth so i think you have to acknowledge what people are going to see visually and kind of uh you know acknowledge it and use that as part of like your persona on stage if that makes any sense well it's like uh bodybuilders who wear hoodies to the gym because yeah. they don't want to draw attention to their bodies. And I mean, for you, like, uh, you know, you host corporate ag- gigs and do all kinds of comedy from improv to stand up to everything. Um, do you intentionally like try to hide your body uh, so people no. don't think about it? No, no, no. I think, you know, I know I'm per- like when I go on stage, I'm perceived as I know the initial reaction. If I jump on stage, is I'm perceived as this kind of alpha male ex jock, uh-huh. uh, you know, straight white jock dude on stage you know and when i do europe it's like oh here's this big jockey dumb american guy so i kind of lean into it a little bit that's kind of my point of view on stage it's kind of a and and it's i think as a comedian you have to be a bit self-deprecating so i do kind of lean into like you know kind of dumb jockey or naive american just to disarm a little bit to let them know like look i'm not you know this fit perfect alpha male dude i'm kind of Here's my here's here's what's self-deprecating about me is I'm not very smart about things, even though that's not true. But I kind of play into that just to kind of take just to be a little disarming on stage. And then that gets the audience on your side. Oh, that makes it yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, so if you think like, you know who Matt Reif is? Yeah, he used to be hideous. Yeah. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where they where Moe's fate Moe got slammed into, you know, his face was broken and a plastic surgeon came and made him beautiful, yeah. and then everybody wanted his attention. <laughs> exactly, you know? yeah. And then at no, the I mean, end of the episode, he gets hit again, and he turns back to Moe, you know. It's just same old Moe. But I, I think, you know, I, I I didn't love Matt Rife's last special, and, you know, I know a lot of people have been crapping on him in many ways. Um, but I, he broke big. I think his first kind of YouTube special that kind of went viral was this thing where, I mean, he's obviously a good-looking guy. I think he's got talent. But he leaned into the self-awareness of, I know I'm a good looking guy and here's how that sucks being this good looking, you know, and it's a fine line to walk, but he was like, look, I'm going to acknowledge what you think of me right now. I'm going to make jokes about it. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he, he, he didn't try to like hide the fact and he didn't try to come across as super suave. And I think he's changed a little bit since then now, because I think he's got a certain amount of, you know, following and everything else. But I think his first kind of bid that a bunch of people sent me that kind of went viral was him talking about, you know, how he tried to hang himself when he was young, but his, his, uh, his chin bones were too cut and he kept slicing the roll <laughs> and things like that, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, things like that where you kind of like, Oh shit, you know, you're good looking. You're very self-aware. You're self-deprecating about it. You know, there's it, a humility it's a, there, I guess he walked. Yeah. He walked a great line of, of kind of taking the, the piss out of himself about being that good looking. I thought it was a really brilliant take, you know, um, 
Well, like, like that, you know, D- uh, Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle and even Joe Coy to some degree are are suffering from lack of humility in some in some ways. And maybe that's what's causing them to not shine as comedians and having to rely on trolling trans people or whatever. Oh, you know? for sure. I think yeah. I think I think you lose humility the bigger you get. And then you kind of get in this bubble of just playing to your audience. You know, because you you work you work so hard. It's like musicians too. You work mm-hmm. so hard to try to make it, and no one's going to go see, you know, uh, a Joe Coy show until until he makes it and finds his audience. And now Joe Coy sells out arenas around the world, but he's playing to his own audience. So he's in this bubble of like, you came to see Joe Coy, so I'm going to play to you. And I think you, I think at a certain level, you'd start losing humility. And every community's done it. Dane Cook was. Huge for a while. Oh, I remember how, yeah, everybody thought, thought Dane Cook was sexy for five minutes. Yeah, and then then he got too big and lost yeah. his hunger, lost his humility, stopped having to try to prove himself, and just kind of, uh, I think you do lose humility until it until the backlash starts and it bites you in the ass and you fall from grace and then you get humiliated and you, and you get your humbleness back again. But a lot of these straight guys are kind of like gay men um, in the sense that, like, you know, we start out feeling awkward. And we dye our hair a weird color. And then we, you know, as we get older, then we hit the gym and we build the muscles. And then, you know, it's like, like it's, it's very similar to uh, like uh, Zac Efron. Right. You know, so it's, it's that same kind of career arc. There's a body arc there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you, I think you, um, you have to, you have to use all your, tools to kind of prove yourself when you're when you're younger right like i think all we're doing is just if you look at the animal kingdom we're just doing mating rituals throughout life so you, <laughs> you think know that, that I mean? the comedy is a mating ritual too yeah for sure oh, absolutely wow. because know, i never mean, thought about of, it that way but you're right in a, to a degree yeah because if yeah. you think about every the, the comedians who've most comedians are kind of on the fringes of society or some kind of uh uh put upon minority you know and that's I mean, if you take it way back, I mean, the great, the best old school comedians were all Jewish and, you know, Jewish people throughout time have been fairly persecuted. Uh, and, and that's not getting into days. That's not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to correlate to today, but the, they were kind of the fringes of society. So unable to deal with it, you have to laugh at it. Right. Yeah. And that's where most comedians come from. They're either the, 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 the fat kid, the gay kid, the black kid, whatever. So in order to deal with the pain, you have to laugh at it. And in order to stand out, if you're not the all-American uh, football quarterback in school, you have to be funny to try to get laid, you know, or so to try to stand like, out. For gay people even to survive sometimes, yeah, you yeah. know? 100%, yeah. Absolutely. Abso- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's I, when I say mating rituals, not yeah. just to get laid, it's, it's to so, be accepted, right? right? You have to be funny to be accepted because uh, they're like, oh, wait, we don't, we don't like your type. We don't know your kind. Oh, but he's really funny. Let's have him, you know, let's invite him to the party. He's funny. You know, and so I think a lot of people, a lot of comedians go through that. And then when you start getting accepted, when you start getting an audience, I I think you start losing that drive to be accepted because you're widely accepted by everybody. You're getting laid, you're getting invited to the parties. So then I think you start losing your humility. So like, uh, what's your uh, bone to pick with the world? (laughs) 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 You're like, I I was born beautiful (laughs) to a very loving family. You know what? It was, it was, it's funny because I I do think about that. I, I mean, we were super broke growing up. I've never seen myself and this is going to sound so pretentious, but I'm going to say anyway, because it's true. I never saw myself as like the, 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 the good looking guy or anything else. There was always, you know, people who are more athletic or better looking than I was or was ever growing up. I was always the funny guy. And I thought, okay, I'm going to use this. And I was never good with, you know, hooking up with people. So I was like, let me, let me use humor to try to, you know, figure this out. Like I wasn't some kind of ladies man. So I, I never saw myself personally. I never saw myself that way that I'm like that guy. So I always thought I would just get by on my humor alone. But you, you know? have and a really like, successful career as a comedian. And, you know, it's like, like, you know, the times if you told me about some of the gigs you've had, I was like, wow, that's really impressive, you know? And a lot of people you know don't realize that, like, you don't have to be, like, on Netflix to make a living as a comedian. You could be, like, what you do is going to events and, you know, corporate parties and meetings and, and hosting. Yeah, things. and I'm still, uh-huh. absolutely. I mean, there's so many different avenues. And I'm still humbled every day. I still, you know, still don't think I'm the best. I still don't think, you know, maybe it's a self-esteem issue or something, but I'm still... 
you know, <clears throat> I still work at it. You know, I still, I get humbled every day. I know I don't get a lot of stuff just offered to me. I still have to work my ass off to get every gig I do, you know? Uh, and to me, I kind of like that. Like that keeps me hungry for it. That keeps me in, that keeps me striving for it. You know, like when I go to Europe, it's not like people are calling me from Europe to go to Europe. I'm like, look, I'm going to go to Europe for this month, month and a half. And I'm going to reach out to people and book my own shows and do my own advertising and book my own travel. And to me, I, I earn every gig I do, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, and I kind of, and, and I like that. I, that keeps me hungry for it. You know, do I've you, never, do you like uh, get or try to get gigs where you're like hosting a football viewing party and you're doing jokes in between commercials or something like that? Or is yeah, it? Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that before. I used to do it, uh, for the Oscars for a while, yeah. uh, yeah. for, uh, PWC who, who were the, who were the accountants for the Oscars. I was doing, I used to do theirs for a little bit until, uh, <laughs> until they fucked up the best picture nominee and then they don't do parties anymore. Oh, they got fired because of that. I think they still do it, but they don't throw parties anymore. Oh, they don't draw attention to themselves because of it. Yeah. It was kind of fascinating. Cause really? I, was, I, was I had no idea there was such that. a big, uh, backlash against that. Oh yeah. I mean, they were really, I mean, it's, you know, it's their, it's their marquee event and they messed up. Like one of their people messed up the best picture announcement. Mm, mm. Yeah. It was a pretty big dramatic. It was a, it was kind of fun to see the behind the scenes of it when it was going down. I was like, I guess this party's over. <laughs> I mean, part wild. of it with these awards shows, it's like, if there is a train wreck, it's more interesting. Cause like, I'm a fan of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And, you know, when Joe Coy sort of, uh, ex you know, failed spectacularly at the Golden Globes, which I didn't think it was yeah. that bad, you know, but he, you know, it, it was not as well received as other hosts. And so I started Googling like Amy and Tina's Golden Globes and found this porn site. <laughs> but, and then I found the video and I started watching it. And then I was like, wow, they were really good and kind of like, you know, not interesting because they were so good. You know, I part mean, of look, the appeal you, is is the failure, right? Yeah. When you drive on the freeway, you're not slowing down to look how well the other cars are driving on the opposite side of the road. Yeah. You're slowing down because you see lights and you see a fire and you're like, oh, I'm going to slow down. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not like, oh my gosh, those cars are really efficient on it over there. Um, yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. I, it's not going to hurt him at all. I mean, I, I think if you know, it's bad publicity is great publicity. I mean, the Kardashians have made a career on it. Well, mm. that, that's why I reached out to you initially is because you have friends in the industry and you know, with Joe Coy, I was like, how is he throwing the writers under the bus on stage? <laughs> yeah, that was bad that was the one that kind of rubbed everybody the wrong way he just he panicked he panicked on a huge on a level that he wasn't prepared to adjust to and he panicked and he 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 just completely deflected and that you know you can and you can kind of see i mean we've all as comedians we've all had those moments where we're just like okay i need to deflect everything from me right now because uh it's all gonna fall on my shoulders and i'm bombing uh completely bombing right now um yeah and I, I think he just he he panicked and was just trying to deflect and try to trying to save some face you know and i think in the in the face of it he made a bad call by blaming the writers they were not happy about that well i was wondering if they they used ai to to write the jokes and so he's blaming a computer <laughs> you know he wasn't they had a whole writing staff they were so proud of it i know i have one friend who's on the writing staff they were so proud of it that all female writing staff and they were like, it's the first all-female writing staff at the Golden Globes because the Golden Globes has had like diversity issues. Mm -hmm. So they were like, it's the first all-female writing staff. And they were all excited about and posting on Instagram and everything. And then, uh, you know, he goes out there and is like, the writers wrote the worst jokes kind of a thing. Oh, like, see, women aren't funny. <laughs> Tell us to John Belushi. There we go. Oh, my he, God. That's so, so he kept that under wraps. Well, you know, uh, props to Joe Coy. They didn't say like, all the all females writing staff was 100%. so bad. Oh. oh my gosh, that would have been a career killer for sure. No, but I mean, sure. it's, it's not going to hurt him. He's going to look. He's still going to sell arenas, and he just got all sorts of new material. I mean, Ricky Gervais has made a career off of making fun of the Golden Globes, off of the Golden Globes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, Chappelle makes jokes about how bad his jokes are received. Like it's just kind of this, uh, you know, this self feeding kind of uh, moment. You know. So I thought, you know, we, we started talking about this with Jeffrey J, 
And all the, uh, all the comedians where I was reaching out to them, like, do you think they're doing AI and stuff? And they're like, you know, so every comedian that we know is like, I want to come on the podcast and have you pit the headlines <laughs> against AI. Oh, wait, are we being are we being replaced or compared? It's it's a fine line. Well, it's a low bar. It know. depends right. how good you do. You know, if you do good, you won't be replaced. But you know, if the AI is better, it's you know. Our new friend. Wait, I'm not getting. I'm not. Wait, I'm not getting paid for this, right? You're so getting paid matter, in right? glory. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which perfect. is a better currency. <laughs> That's true. That you is know, true. Not glory exposure. Glory lasts forever, whereas money just slips right out of your hands. It's salt and Does water. Does glory last? I feel like. I feel like there's been like uh, past warriors and kings who have died thinking glory lasts forever, and we don't remember them. Yeah, uh, Ozymandias. There you See, go. But you do See. remember him. <laughs> well, because they wrote a poem about the futility of his glory. Oh, I just know him from the Watchmen comic book. <laughs> Not the superhero. <laughs> Ozymandias was, uh, uh, it's a poem by Percival Shelley. It says, behold, the great Ozymandias. And all was oh. left was nothing but sand. I mean, I'm paraphrasing the entire, mm. you know. Yeah, it's, it's a long poem. poem you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I could, I'll go toe to toe with the machine any day. I fought my cell phone earlier today. I took it out. I'm good. What did you do? I was just bugging me. My cell phone doesn't, oh. uh, it's doing this thing now where it doesn't ring when people call usually, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a horrible idea for a phone. And so was, I got another call earlier and it didn't call. And I just kind of yelled at my phone and threw it in my car. I'll call your carrier. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but then you have to deal with uh, computer-generated tech people. That's the thing about yeah. it is, it's like, you know, it, it does feel like you're uh, it's it's a quiz show versus you and the Terminator. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now they're doing like on chats, too, where they're like, do you need help? Dial into this chat. And then you dial in on, online and it's just the same computer thing. And you're like, I just want to talk to a person. I actually yeah. wrote that to a chat, to a text chat the other day. I was like, can I talk to a person? It's like, I don't understand the question. I was like, exactly. Oh See? my God. Makes you want to scream. Okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, the most, the news items that everybody's talking about, which happened just yesterday is Rhonda Santos. Uh, uh -huh. not the drag queen, Rhonda Santis, Rhonda panties, <laughs> Rhonda panties. I love that. I've never heard of Rhonda Santos. That's amazing. Uh, but, uh, Rhonda Santos, Florida's, uh, you know, Republican fascist. Governor, mm -hmm. uh, nicknamed mm -hmm. Pudding Fingers and Meatball by his rival Donald Trump, <laughs> uh -huh. dropped out of the Republican primaries to endorse his rival Trump. I'm shocked. And I'm just kind of like, you know, it's kind of like uh, Ted Cruz, you know, who Trump said his wife was ugly and called him the Zodiac Killer and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they all. It's they, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, they all have to endorse Trump because they're yeah. worried about being murdered by Trump's people. Because yeah. we see, right. we have seen that happen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I turned to uh, AI and asked them to write a joke about it. Uh huh. <laughs> and, and let's just let's just say it's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> like write a joke with a meatball aspect to it. Okay. Uh, what what can, what do you <laughs> what do you have anything here? I don't have a I don't have a meatball. I would say on yeah. the on the on the on the heels of Ron DeSantis's big movement of "Don't Say Gay," his new quote is his new movement is now called "Don't Say Cave," like "Don't Cave In." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. All right, so Yay. so the the, the um, I'm gonna do this as Lady Bunny or um, Fedacito, Fred Armisen's oh, character. Right. Hey, yeah. did you hear about Ron DeSantis dropping out of the Republican presidential primaries? Ay, Dios mío. Apparently, he decided he'd rather endorse his rival Trump, who famously called him once Meatball. I can see the campaign slogan now, making America meaty again. <laughs> Wait, does this make does this make does this make Ronda Santos a meatball sub? Yeah. Wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you went human wins human this wins. round. Yay. Take that. Chat GPT. <laughs> yeah, suck my dick, Chat GPT. Yeah. <laughs> Eat my meatballs. But yeah, put <laughs> with lots of sauce. Um, so uh, the the Federal Highway Administration has just released right. new guidelines on traffic safety billboards. Mm -hmm. uh, tell, discouraging 
states from doing humorous messages on the highways. If you're, so one, one, high, one example is like, are you visiting your in-laws? Drive slowly. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. They have those in Arizona all over the place. They, they have some of those in Illinois as well. And those okay. feel like they were written by AI too. You know? Yeah, they, they they're a little like corny. A but mm-hmm. you know, part of it is like I think it's you know at least it gets people to notice and read them and reflect on it and talk about it. Whereas if it, you know, I want to sh- I want to see the data that says humor or comedy makes people drive worse, not better. Uh yeah, I I think well, I, like when I go to a bar and they have like yeah. the signs outside where it's like you. It, uh, women drop off your husbands here or something like that. You know, every bar has like little chalkboards out front. That seems kind of appropriate. I feel like on the highways though, it's a little bit groany. Don't you think? Well, I don't know. I've heard over the years that sometimes people like listening to the podcast are like, Oh yeah, you said something funny. I almost <laughs> read right off the road. And I think, God, how many people have this pot has this podcast killed? That's just the people that, that write to you. The ones that are dead don't write to you. Yeah, do you have do you have stats on how many people have died listening to your podcast? I don't know, but I know that at least a couple people probably have because we've heard from like their partners that said it was like you know, usually they were terminally ill and and we're like, so the will says (laughs) (laughs) that's the most most morbid compliment ever. That's like that's like going on stage, be like, I killed last night, be like, no, literally, I killed, but it was it was great. Like that's that's a really that's a that's a double edged sword. That's a tough one. Yeah, we're always like waiting for, you know, because you, you listen to NPR and they're like, leave us in your will. Call us mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah to tell, to, you know. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, why don't we do that? Mm-hmm. I've asked a couple people. Especially people that really? make, especially people that make um, you know, dangerous choices with their lifestyle. I've like always skydivers? Just, you know, things they do, just dangerous things or whatever. I'm like, hey, you know, you know, uh, whatever, you can do it, but just make sure I'm in the will, okay? <laughs> but you have to coordinate. You have to coordinate that with people who have like a nice sum of money as well. Yes, you know, yes. because you can't get someone like some van lifer who likes to climb cliffs because they're like, I left you my van and my will. You're like, this isn't great. Yeah, you have to get someone yeah. who like does really high end drugs and owns a yacht. Yeah, I would like that yacht. I would like to be yeah. in the will of those people who went on the submarine to visit the Titanic. Yeah, right. You know? Someone like that. That's the that's the perfect uh, X Y access. <laughs> yeah, of whose will you I want to be? I think one of them was a billionaire. So, yeah, you know, they're all not? rich, rich enough to afford the death trap they got in. Yeah, yeah, that's who you want to be on. That's who you you gotta you gotta get friendly with daredevils who have tons of cash. Mm. So, do Where you do have any them? jokes for oh. uh, our federal highway administration? Uh, yeah, well, it used to be so. Jokes. It used to be so yeah. fun to. It used to be so fun to <laughs> die while you're texting and driving. And now they're just trying to take all the fun out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what it is? I'm more distracted by Amber Alerts. Amber, when I see an Amber Alert, I spend the next four to five minutes looking at license plates on the highway. So uh, that's far more distracting. So I think we should get rid of Amber Alerts. There's a new alert too. I forget what I, I heard. There, yeah, there. I, I got one on my phone. Or was it in Texas? Or was it here? I want to say it was a silver alert. Some other kind of alert. I was just like, I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it's like a hanky code now. Yeah. <laughs> a golden <laughs> golden like a shower alert. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like someone's giving blowjobs off the next exit. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, that's the only yeah. joke I came up with. Sorry about that's that. That's pretty that's good. Uh, you have a uh, you have it tough here with ChatGPT. They actually did deliver a joke that's pretty good. Uh oh, I'll so, give it to me, Lady Bunny. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> the Federal Highway Administration released new guidelines on traffic safety billboards, and apparently they're discouraging. Humorous messages. They can't hold up to the divas of today like Jennifer Hudson can. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> now you're going off script. Yeah. Uh, I guess they finally realized why did the chicken cross the road wasn't the best distraction while you're trying to merge on the freeway. Now, we all get serious advice like buckle up and no jokes allowed unless it's your driving skills. <laughs> mm. I'm going to blame the delivery on that one. But it, I think that was pretty good, you know. So one for yeah, the robot. Okay. Sorry, I would say, Joel. I would say you the, lost funniest, the funniest, yeah. the funniest sign I ever saw on the freeway was a speed limit sign. <laughs> okay, you get it back. <laughs> I recovered. Good. Shoot, <laughs> um, shoot. Uh, the Smithsonian Museum. Uh huh. 
So they are the, I didn't realize that the world's largest museum, period. Oh, really? Everything of culture, mostly, you know. They just released 4.5 million historic images to the public domain. So you can make t shirts with photos of Albert Einstein, uh, Jackie Kennedy's gowns, or photos of George Washington Carver. Okay. So you can, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's a big deal because basically it's like, taking uh you know culture and making it accessible to the public to recreate culture right you know which is really cool and no one has to pay a fee f- to access those images anymore and they're 3d images high resolution like it's every there's the no whole I, I looked yeah. for i searched for gay erotica nothing came up and then I oh. canceled. I searched for muscle. Very little came up. I know. And then I, I searched for uh, male nudes got- and they have one like they have one statue and it wasn't even hot. <laughs> they don't have like any they don't have like a statue of David, like a picture of like no Maplethorpe. I don't think so. Uh, they have lots of um, lots of architecture and uh, stained glass windows of Frank Lloyd Wright. I did find. Oh, I'm in the Smithsonian. Did you know that? Did you for what? For photos I took during COVID. Really? I have 139 photos in the Smithsonian Institution that they acquired after COVID. Is that crazy? Oh, wow. That's amazing. Did yeah. they pay you for it? <laughs> no, they don't. It's a museum. Yeah, but they paid I didn't you in glory. As soon as, as soon as I got paid in glory again. <laughs> so what? They, they just said, co- hey, can I have your, what did they reach out to you and said, hey, Joel, can I, we have your photos for glory? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the brief, the very brief synopsis. But when COVID hit, I was yeah. uh, just traveling. I had nothing. Like, I, I got kicked out of my place because I was just traveling at the time. So I had no house, no job, no career because all I do is live events. Mm-hmm. And so I literally had nothing. And so I just said, well, I'm just going to drive around the country and take pictures and video of uh the world shut down. Like it's never been like this before for the first couple of weeks. And so I literally drove all over the United States. I took a big loop and went to like the Las Vegas strip and, um, uh, uh French quarter and like Times square mall of America. I just took photos and video for the first two and a half, three weeks of it. And just was doing a blog while I was doing it. And when I was done about six months later, the Smithsonian institution reached out and they're like, we saw your blog. We'd love to acquire your photos to, for, uh, in our, for our archives in perpetuity. Cause you're the only one who's you're the only person who captured the full shutdown all over America in one wow. collection. And I was like, okay. So I had to write up these write-ups and everything else and send them in. And I was like, and I says, you know, I just took them on my iPhone. Right. And they're like, we don't care. You took like, you went everywhere. It was great. Um, yeah. So I'm in the Smithsonian institution. I became a Smithsonian photographer during the shutdown. So did you get tempted to sneak in like a dick pic or something? <laughs> <laughs> Been like, here's what I did on the road. Here's my dick during COVID pandemic. No one noticed. No one's touching it. No one cares. I totally should have. No, but I turned it into a documentary and everything. I played like film festivals and stuff. Like raised money for like COVID relief. Wow. Um, I think I remember. Yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. I remember reading that. Yeah. I got no. I got no money from that. Although there was a museum in Chicago that paid for one of the pictures for one of their advertising uh, exhibits, but that's about it. Oh, which photo was it? Do you remember? Uh, it was of Chicago. I think it was of the Riverwalk shut down. Mm. So I went through Chicago uh, for like a half a day, and then I got really scared and left. <laughs> <laughs> you should have stopped would, by like, and you know, seen us. I should have, but you know, I I, yeah. I stopped saying that to people because people were just like, "No, don't come by. You might have COVID." So I stopped reaching out to friends halfway through my journey. Mm. Uh, we but, were uh, hanging out with people. During the COVID pandemic, we we to a degree, yeah. we put a like a we made like a backyard in our back porch and stuff, and had people coming over and stuff. And oh, that's nice. And then uh, yeah. we taped an episode of uh, Teen Mom during the COVID of pandemic. Teen? Yeah, of Teen Mom. Yeah, but that was well into like August, September. Yeah, so like know? the shutdown started in March, right? Yeah, and then yeah, uh, in August uh, we were uh, screened by Viacom. And uh-huh. uh, isolated, and we went to Michigan, and we're part of an episode of Team Mom. Costa got his um, where, and I didn't have to get anybody pregnant. Just what? To, that's, yeah, that's, that's the whole point. That's so, uh, then it's boring. Anytime that episode airs, like three or four people like call me. They're like, I saw you on Teen Mom. Did you get paid, or was it no? Glory? No, it, it, it was done for fun. But he did get his glory. eyebrows done for uh, for free. Yeah, microblading. Yeah, so they made me look oh. like uh, Millhouse on The Simpsons. A little bit like Zeus. <laughs> Just uh, permanently I like angry. 
I look like either Millhouse or Zeus, one or the other. Well, it was very uh, forehead or very um, strong eyebrows, right? But it looked good. Oh, yeah. Like the first couple okay. of days, it was a little intense, but then it, 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 it melded well into his face. Yeah, you have to grow into it, like a haircut or so, something. So, like during the, your, your tours, what did, you, like, what did you see? What's really struck out to you on your yeah. tour? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, being the, the only person. The loneliness and stuff. Sadness. <laughs> it was wildly sad and lonely. Uh, there was a few. Being the only person in Times Square was shocking. Yeah, it's hard to pick up a hooker there, right? I know, <laughs> I right? That, I <laughs> that was my that was my first dick pick. <laughs> uh, that you know, like driving down the French Quarter because there was nothing like you, to be able to drive down the French Quarter and have like no music or anything. Like drive down uh, Bourbon Street was kind of unnerving as well because you're just driving down an empty street, like in this this abandoned you know that's usually kind of bustling with music and drunks and everything. Mm-hmm. So. That was a little shocking. And then the, uh, I'd probably say the other one, probably Las Vegas Strip was crazy because it was all dark because no one was in the hotels and everything was shut down. So they didn't even have the lights going? No, huh? A couple signs were lit up, but for the most part, because no one's in the rooms, all the lights were off in the hotels, you know? Damn. So that was a little crazy. Yeah. Anyway, we went off on a tangent, but I just wanted to. Here's what the uh, the AI said about what? About the Smithsonian's photos. Mm-hmm. It's great that they're sharing all these incredible images, but now I'm just waiting for someone to turn them into NFTs. Imagine owning the digital rights to George Washington's teeth. Now that's a collectible you can chew on. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's bad. I'm laughing because it's bad. I don't want to like, give it credit. Wow. So it's, 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 it's fascinating how it thinks, you know, or lack of thought, you know, it's like, it's, right. it's just like, well, teeth, NFTs, hmm, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> just grabs onto a noun and rolls with it. And I'm like, I didn't say anything about NFTs, but I guess it, you know, it wanted to, it, it confused Creative Commons with NFTs. I don't get it, but. You know what would be funny if you did yeah. if to do a full stand-up comedy set just based on chat GPT and see if you could sell it and see what the response would be. Well, I, that's why I thought, you know, Dave Chappelle did. I mean, with his last show, I was like, yeah, these he's jokes, I was like, like, it was like, uh, you know, when, when, uh, the crying game went on in theaters Yeah, and like, my mom was calling me like, you have to go see the crying game, but I'm not going to tell you why. And <laughs> four seconds into the movie, you know, uh, the, the, the trans character pops in and you're like, oh, he doesn't realize she's trans. Right. And sure enough, they're like, oh, big reveal. Dun, dun, dun. I didn't realize yeah. it until actually until we were about to see the, the candy. Jay Davidson yeah. was the name of the actor who played That's the right. trans character. And later on was in um, uh, that sci-fi Stargate. movie, Stargate, as, Stargate. The, yeah. as the Ra, the sun god. That's right, yeah. But so, so you know, when Dave Chappelle's like, you know, I went to see uh, an actor pretending to be somebody else. I'm like... Let me guess. This is about trans people. Right. You're like Yeah, well he's he's weirdly <laughs> obsessed with trans. He know. likes he like he's he loves trans people and you know, I mean clearly he's like <laughs> someone someone told me he goes, I think I think he might have gotten screwed over by someone that was trans one time and now he's just really angry about it. Or yeah, there's there's a lot of uh trans activists out there or personalities that say that he seems like uh, a client. Who gets who yes. gets mad at some of the trans women? So he's lashing. Yes, out. that was that was kind of the theory that was floated around. And then there was another bit. one. There, uh, uh, a trans woman was picking apart his makeup because you know these comedians they all have to wear makeup. You're on film, right? And they're just, they're yeah. like making fun of like his banana powder there because you know black people <laughs> use a lot of banana powder because they need some yellow to 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 reflect the light. What do they call stuff. banana powder? Because it's yellow. Because it's, it's kind of yellow. I know, but still. I know, but I mean, a lot they of could people, call it, um, you know, butter powder or sunflower yeah. powder, yellow or egg yolk. <laughs> that's just what it, it's what it's because it's the color of bananas, and that's what it kind of looks yeah. like. And so they use it for yeah. like contouring and whatnot. And they're like pointing, like you see where the banana powder is, like dot not done right here, and this. And then like he probably has a trans makeup artist. And they're doing him dirty, <laughs> <laughs> throwing him under the bus. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I have a Smithsonian joke. Uh, well, you just threw a few. I mean, you also told us a story, but I did. I, I yeah, did. Yeah. I did. I tend. I'm more of a storyteller comic. I've been posting pictures of my wiener on dating sites for years, and no one's wanted those on the t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. Well, you uh, three out of four ain't bad. You are the winner this yeah. round. Yay! Take Low that, two thousand. Take that. Take that, Google. <laughs> take that, T one thousand. 
I'm coming. I'm coming next for you, AOL. Yeah. You better get. <laughs> you better. You better buck up. Uh, Joel, what what uh, is your coming gigs and uh, are you training for like an athlete athletic event uh, or? I was supposed to do a Spartan race uh, okay. on Sunday that I was training for, but uh, a film I did, a horror film called Candlewood, is having its big red carpet premiere in Connecticut on Saturday. So I have to go to that instead, which sucks. Um, <laughs> it sucks making movies and then going to premieres, huh? Well, I know, but I, I spent all this time like training for a race, and now I'm not going to be able to use it. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to go film premiere. So Candlewood is going to premiere uh, regionally on Saturday. And then uh, uh, the next race I'm going to do, Spartan Race, I just moved that date to end of February is my next Spartan Race. And then after that, I'm going back to Europe for a month and a half to go tour around, do stand-up comedy in Europe again. Sweet. How do you translate your like material to like you know a Swiss audience or... That's what I love about it. It's okay. the best. Like, I mean, it's all English stand-up comedy, so people know what they're getting into. But I love the idea of uh, it, it. It's it, it was hard to make the transition because I had to figure out like, okay, I can't tell certain jokes there because they just don't translate. I can't talk about oh, the road trip to Vegas was crazy. So, uh, um, that's why I, I think that's what I love most about it is playing to an audience of like fifteen different nationalities with varying levels of English comprehension. And I'm trying to get them all to laugh at the same time while I speak English to them. And to me, it's so beautiful when it happens. Well, and I think, like, is it like stand-up comedy really kind of like an American cultural phenomenon more than Absolutely. But because of COVID, there was kind of this, you know, and Netflix, people just ran out of stuff to watch. So tons of people started watching stand-up specials overseas. So they get the idea. They know how to act in stand-up shows. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. they, get, they get the concept of it. And then, you know, there's always, you know, relationships are universal and family's universal and travel is universal. So I always come with that. But a lot of it's just figuring it out on the spot. And every city is different. Like, you know, people in France laugh at different things than people in Serbia. And that's what I love about it. What do people in Serbia laugh about? Uh, they're really dark. They're really dark. <laughs> they talk a lot of dark shit. It's crazy. I mentioned Bill Clinton on stage and they just like, just got this cold shoulder. Oh, I was like, why shit. are you guys so angry? And then afterwards... One of the comedians was like, I can't believe you mentioned Bill Clinton. I was like, why? He goes, uh, Kosovo, NATO, late 90s. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. So, but you learn that stuff as you do it. That's what I love about it. Like, you're in the, in the moment and playing into what we talked about earlier, being that naive American, I can do it. I could learn in the moment and make jokes about it and grow with these people. So it is kind of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's sweet. It's kind of so you're bringing thing. comedy back to Germany. Because like Robin Thank, Williams yes. one time said, uh, you know, why do you think there isn't so much comedy in Germany? He says, well, because you probably killed all the funny people. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm bringing it back to back to the people. Back to Deutsch. I'm making Germans laugh again. Because we, we did a theater <laughs> festival there in 97. It was a twisted version of Hansel and Gretel. Uh, yeah. But the witch was Martha Stewart, played by me, uh, oh, at 119 oh. pounds. <laughs> and and it was uh, and um and so it was really bizarre and psychedelic and there's a sploshing scene google google what that is kids it's like a sexual covered in food and juices and stuff and the, like uh, the, the the east berlin audience was just fascinated but completely confused they're like kept, yeah. i kept hearing was ist das was ist das <laughs> Berlin's my favorite city. I love Berlin. It has the most eccentric, bohemian, artsy melting pot I've ever been to. I love Berlin. And you, and you can just walk into a party and start helping yourself to the food. Like, yeah, did you? Is, is yeah, that you we did were or? like, we were doing that. Like, it was, of course, it was 97. It was, you know, shortly after the wall came down. The only people right. that were living, wanting to live there were like, you know, hippies, bohemians, and theater freaks and artists and. And they are all throwing these parties on the government dime. <laughs> and uh, they had all this great food and, and you just, you know, crash a party and they're like, help yourself to the, to the hummus. And, you know, and they're all vegans. <laughs> right. I guess the first time I went there was the late nineties. I loved it. I was like, just post wall. It was great. Oh my God. It was wow. so much fun. Yeah. And, I still and, love it. Yeah. It's like, it's got that same energy now, but now it's citywide. I kind of love it for that. Mm. That's it's wonderful freaky and dark and interesting and amazing and yeah it's definitely one of my favorite cities in the world so i'm going to be spending about two weeks in berlin when i go next time just for funsies any dungeon trips there's a lot of dungeons <laughs> there uh that's i think it's a whole different episode but uh <laughs> i was there for my birthday in october and it was a good time all right we'll, we'll all leave right. it at that <laughs> mr joel bryant 
Comedian, yes. kink master. Tough mutter. <laughs> Tough mutter. OCR, <laughs> obstacle course racer, champion. Uh, how, how, have you actually won anything? Like, Because people ask me all the time, like, did you win any money from your competition? I'm like, uh, obviously not. Yeah. yeah. Never Otherwise, money. I wouldn't yeah. be here talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'd be a professional. I won, I won, I've won two races. That was just a medal. Smaller races that you know, and I don't think they're in anymore. And then because of uh, my advanced age, I'm in a great bracket now where I just cross over to the next age bracket. So I have, I do probably finish like top three, top five in the age bracket usually, which is great. Is this over 35? Um, yeah, yeah. Under 85 over <laughs> now it's like 49 and then, the, or it depends on the race, but 49, 48 is like a, a cutoff for a lot of races. So I do well because I'm the young buck in the new uh, in the new category. So, oh, I gotta tell you, man, if you can, if you could do any athletic race over the age of fifty, and you're yeah. halfway decent, you got it made. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I look at that. Yeah, so that's why I'm kind of excited about turning. I turned fifty in October, so I'm pretty excited about jumping yeah. into a different age bracket for like Spartan and stuff. So uh, that's nice. what I'm hoping to finally achieve my dreams at fifty. I'm 50 and I can still kick it. <laughs> I got 50 and I can kick and stretch and kick. Thank you, Molly Shannon. And, and thank you for correcting the quote, by the way. That's, that is, is the correct. I, that is, I can oh, stretch, kick, and stretch. I'm 50. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, when I turned 50, I was doing it all the time. Was, yeah. 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 Uh, It'll be yeah. fun to see her do that character when she's like 80 and be like, I'm 50. I'm 80. Yeah. I'm 50. I can still <laughs> That was one of she the greatest contributions to aging was Molly Shannon's character. Yeah, she made 50 seem doable. And yeah, now now you're like, God, that seems so old at the time, but now you're like, you're like, well, <laughs> shh. <laughs> now I gotta now nothing. I gotta watch. Yeah, now I gotta watch Golden Girls for my next benchmark and be like, look, I can still eat cheesecake and hang out with friends. Uh, weren't they? Uh, they were younger than fifty. No, they were fifty some, fifty-five, I think, most of them. Some of them. Yeah, they were like mid to late fifties. Yeah, you're like they were the same age as you are, Mark. No, if you really well, want to, Wilford, Wilford Brimley, about- Cocoon, right? <gasps> that blew me away. Diabetes. I was like, okay, I'm actually doing pretty good because <laughs> you're older than him now, right? I am older than him. We're all yeah. older than Wilford Brimley and Cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our that's our lasting legacy right there this, our secret this is our uh secret glorious what is the name of the welch what was her name of the uh connie welch wasn't it the actress uh she was raquel welch's daughter was in that movie raquel oh, welch she? had a daughter yes i lived in the same building where raquel welch was uh lived in when she was an infant that's where, really yeah when i first met fausto that's the building i was living in and i just found this out like a. Uh, a couple of weeks, like a few months ago. It's Tani Welch. Tani Welch and Steve Gutenberger starred in that movie. Tani Welch? Tani Welch. Welch had a kid? She had a kid. Tani. Tani Welch. I like the name Connie's good. We don't have to have Connie Connie. <laughs> Connie or Tani? Yeah. Tani. T-H-N-E-E. You don't meet many Tani's. Tani Katane, I think, was the, probably the most That's famous That's spelled a different way, but yeah. Tani like the color. And Tani yeah. is more, sounds like a Native American name. How does she spell it? T H A. I'm saying T H T A H N E E. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's that's that, that seems abrasive. Maureen Stapleton, Jessica Tandy. I mean, a lot of you know, Donna Michi is in that I'm movie. pretty sure we're younger than those folks, though. Pretty sure. I don't know. I don't know. The boy <laughs> from be... Never Ending Story, uh, Barrett Oliver. You know? We may be yeah. we may be Jessica Tandy's age from that no. movie. That's what I'm... <laughs> no, <laughs> Jessica Tandy was old when I was a child. What? Well, yeah. Well, we're 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 definitely not going to. We just need to find a swimming pool with glowing pods in it. Everything will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> there was one in Berlin. I'll tell you about next time I talk to you guys. Oh, I can't wait. I'll, I'll meet. I'll meet you there. <laughs> it's an isolation <laughs> tank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're not isolated at all. Uh, Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about all this stuff. It was a real pleasure reconnecting with you. And uh, good luck on the on all your future races. Mm-hmm. Oh, you two are absolute joys, and I love Thank this. You. This has been the best time I've ever spent in McDonald's parking lot in Hollywood. Before. <laughs> Second best time. Second Enjoy best that time. Nick Cafe. <laughs> Don't let it burn Thanks, your groin. <laughs> I send all the love out to you all. And love back to you. Take care, yeah, buddy. Thank you. Take all care, right, Joel. You soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Joel Bryant lives in Hollywood, California. You can visit him at joelbryant.net. Mm-hmm. Follow him on Instagram. Yes, sir. 
See his travels. He gets around that guy. Yeah. It's obstacle racing around the world. I know. He just doesn't stop. He's like the uh, roadrunner. Beep, beep. (laughs) Roadrunner. Beep, beep. I want to remind folks that we can't do this podcast without your support. So if you're not a Plus member yet, sign up today at feastofun.com slash plus or join us on Patreon for that ad-free experience at patreon.com slash feastofun. Let's grow big together and feast of fun are, uh, you know, sibling podcasts. This is being simultaneously broadcast across two different shows, but we do have exclusive unique shows on let's grow big together and feast of fun. And uh, so check both of those out. But this is a, this is a podcast that kind of fits in both fields. So we're like, let's put yeah. in both of those. You so. got muscles. Come yeah. on. Hang wow. out with us. Yes. <laughs> Listen, uh, if you want to hire me as your coach, your consultant, or posing, message me on Instagram. Let's grow big together. And I'm pretty affordable. $99 for an hour. We talk about anything you want to, all your questions answered about fitness and bodybuilding and building muscle. And if you want to practice your posing, which is really important even for people who don't necessarily compete, but to develop your, your body message me it's pretty affordable at instagram fausto fernos thank you so much for listening bye bye bye